Hear now the gospel according to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came nearer and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Will you join with me in prayer? O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are experiences that define our lives. Sometimes they're simple and we only learn about how important they are later. And sometimes they are far more obvious. Pastors have been trained to tell lies in their sermons, to talk about things that haven't really happened in an effort to explore greater truths. This is a practice that I honestly don't appreciate. I think it builds dishonesty in congregations and distrust between clergy and laity, and which I don't think there should be a great amount of difference between clergy and laity anyway. Part of why we're told to create stories that haven't really happened is so that we don't brag. And so we don't get hung up on talking about ourselves. Frankly, I think that talking about ourselves, as long as it's less about us and more about what any of us and all of us can do, is important. You may hear stories from me in the future of things that don't happen. But if I do, then I'll likely be telling you the stories of First Church out on the Iowa Prairie in, in the fashion of Garrison Keillor's Prairie Home Companion. If there are Prairie Home Companion fans, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and you'll know when I tell those stories that it's fictional to tell a greater truth. It's storytelling. The truth of today's sermon and story, when we cut everything down and look right at it, is that we are sent to spread the infectious love of Jesus to all the world. This story is true. This is a story that I feel is important to who we are as a church and why I don't feel, and just feel like I was called here at the end of last year, but why I feel, continue to feel called here every day. So as some of you know, we've been trying to help some of our unhoused neighbors find more sustainable housing for the last several weeks. Um, yes, with the apartments, but also with a more immediate response to some of their needs. Unfortunately, due to um, drug use on the church premises, we had to bring our pantry inside 
the building for a time. Um, this had broken not just my heart, but many of our hearts. Um, because we want to follow the mandate of Christ to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty. However, we have continued to give water and to food to those in need during this season, during this time. And we have found support for the unhoused who were camping on our front steps through persistent calling and driving our neighbor to the shelter, sitting with our neighbor and offering support. Our neighbor now has the support she needed. This was not just my doing. This was a community response to a community need. We are not we, we are not commanded to go out and do the work of the church on our own. There are no super people here. No, we are commissioned, which means to be equipped, strengthened, and given the spirit of the divine to go into the world to love our neighbors, whether they're housed or unhoused, whether they're poor, gay, straight, bisexual. That's not our call not to do alone, but to do it in community with each other, which makes us better. Again and again, I find myself saying, and it's old and it's tired, and you're going to get tired of my saying it, is teamwork makes the dream work. Because I really believe that. It's a tired saying, yes, but I've found that whenever we work together, do some this together, that we can accomplish anything. The situation this week was one of hundreds that this church has helped people with, not for our own benefit, but for the world that we have been sent into. And this is not just a pat on the back. This is an encouragement for us to do even more. I feel that when we do that, when we do the hard work of being a church in the world, that we are rewarded. Sometimes that comes in material ward, but I think more often it comes in spiritual ways. That we feel deeply enriched, that our lives are, important, are improved because of the good we do. Our souls are brightened, and we are happier because we are making others' lives better. I feel that when the lives of those who are around us are improved, that we're doing better as well. We do better when we work together. It may come as a surprise to some of you, but I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> uh, when I'm tired or just waking up or feeling weary, what I need to do is focus on the work that is in front of me and tune other things out. I don't recharge well in large groups, maybe with a few close friends uh, over a meal or with a cup of coffee or a nice scotch, but not with the masses. I enjoy that, but I need to recharge just with a couple people or by myself. Yet, even with that view, even with being an introvert, I can look at the group of disciples and look at what Jesus was saying and hear Jesus saying to Jesus' team, all right, you need to go out and make disciples of all the nations. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus wasn't talking to them individually, but rather 
as a team. Jesus wasn't saying, go to Israel at this point. No, he was widening the ministry of infectious love to all the world. The gospel is being heard in the 80s, not by Bill and Ted um, in a most excellent adventure, uh, but rather first century Jews, um, a hurting people who had just experienced one of the greatest tragedies that befell the Jewish people, the Jewish-Roman War. According to Josephus, a historian at the time, hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed. Jesus's words are not condemning the Gentile world among whose greatest power deeply harmed the people he identifies personally with, and, and it did not encourage a separation and a hiding from the Gentiles. Rather, it was saying, go. Go into these dangerous places. Go among the people who have harmed you. Go among the people who have condemned you. Go and spread that infectious love that I have lived and taught wherever you go. Many of us who have even a smidgen of evangelical experience may hear, may hear the words, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and will not necessarily have a good reaction to it. Many of us have heard the words that Jesus said in a more demanding and authoritative, um, go and do it sort of way. But Thomas E. Boomshire from Gotel says that it's likely more of a coach to his team, and the Greek translates the obey not into a subservient sort of manner, but rather should be understood as living our lives. So to obey means to embrace the way of living that Jesus was demonstrating, one of peace and gentleness, but also justice and standing up for those who are being hurt. So when I hear that, I hear that we should live our lives in a manner that demonstrates that absolute love for the world that we are in. When we make difficult decisions about the pantry and the fridge, it is not because we don't care, but because we care so much that we have to do really hard things that honestly, pardon my language, and close your ears if you're offended from swearing, but sometimes they suck. Sometimes those decisions suck. And if you've been a parent and have parented children, you also understand how much it can just, well, yeah, suck. <laughs> At other times, we have to do really scary things. It can be scary being in a Christian space, especially if you're queer or you're, neuro, or you're neurodiverse or you're ex-evangelical. All of these things can bring baggage and difficulty in a history of a faith that has harmed people. But we don't have to be that faith. We can be the faith of the people who are walking in the steps of Christ and spreading that infectious love. It can be scary to show the world that there is a different way of being, that there really are people who give a darn and who want to follow the teachings of Jesus. Another important takeaway that I think points to love in this scripture is that they worshiped, but some, some doubted. An important part of our community is that even if you doubt, even if you're not certain, 
even if you're an atheist, then you are still welcome to be part of this community that is sent to send love. Love does not belong to any one person, but to all people. This is why Jesus sent his disciples to all the world to spread that infectious love. No matter who you are, no matter your gender, your gender expression, your sexuality, your race, your nation of birth, or anything that we use to separate people, God calls all of us to love. Love is so important, and our li living lives that are authentically who we are and showing that love is important, too. In addition to being the first Sunday of Pride Month, which, by the way, happy Pride Month, uh, this is also Trinity Sunday. I think both Trinitarian and Unitarian Christians can recognize that at least in the symbols of the Trinity, there is an example of blessed community, a community that loves each other, that has only each other's interests at heart, who rejoices in each other's successes and is of one heart. There is something we and all Christian communities can endeavor to pursue. Uh, the queer community can often also have that sort of community. And I have found that being in those spaces and these spaces that lift up our LGBTQIA plus lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, uh, and allies, uh, and aromantic and asexual, um, siblings and love each other and make room for each other, that these are the spaces that are, in my experience, the most authentically Christian. These are spaces where people love each other and we right here, those of us here, everybody here, regardless of your identity, we all love each other very deeply. That is worth celebrating. So while we might fear what is happening in our church from time to time, or why we aren't growing yet by leaps and bounds, we can have a lot of joy and a lot of reasons to celebrate for the love and the authentic relationships and the good work that is happening here and that is spreading out to the world around us. Amen.